are coming up Thursday. We are less than 48 hours away right now. We are uh, anticipating our opening day at home, the home opener at American Family Field. We're going to be live from Standing Second and National Walkers Point down in Milwaukee. And from 10 a.m. to 2 p.m., come on by. We're going to have the Bloody Marys, food, all that kind of good stuff. Uh, get some Bud Light specials and such going. Uh, some MKE beer specials going as well, MKE Brewing. And then we're going to send you off on the shuttles down to American Family Field. Check out the Brewers, the Cardinals. And now we don't have to drive. Don't have to fight the traffic. Just go on down because it's not going to be a great day to tailgate anyway. Because uh, Thursday's supposed to be like a high of 40 with wind between 25 and 40 miles an hour, which is going to put the wind chills low 30s, upper 20s, depending on how high the temperature actually gets. Uh, you're not going to be wanting to tailgate in this stuff. I know it's a tradition, but no. Come on down, enjoy the day, sit down, listen to the program. Kevin Holden, CBS 58, our buddy Andrew Wagner. Uh, my longtime buddy Chuck Freeman is going to be with us, too. We're going to have a good panel going on down at Stenny, second and National Walker's Point, all brought to you by our friends at Bud Light and the Bud Light Seltzer. Come on by and say hello. We're going to have a great time, great time going on this coming Thursday. Uh, the new special teams coach for the Green Bay Packers, uh, Frank Pisaccia, uh, he uh, just ended up going to the podium and uh, addressing the media. Uh, for the, his first real long, or Rich Pisaccia, not Frank, I'm sorry, Rich, uh, for a, a really lengthy Q&A. And uh, I wanted you to take a listen to this because special teams became so prevalent, obviously, in the postseason. Uh, and led to the ultimate demise. That and the you know very poor offense after the initial couple of drives uh, led to the demise of the Green Bay Packers. And here's Rich Pisaccia talking to the media. Hey, questions. I just want to um, give our thoughts and, and prayers out. It's been a difficult last two months uh, to some degree in the National Football League for a lot of us. Obviously, we all know what happened with Dwayne Haskins. That's, you know, lose a young man, um, his caliber, character, and person he was is difficult and then for me personally Stan Parrish who's our quarterback coach in Tampa we won the Super Bowl longtime college coach um, just passed away along with Gary Brown who I was with for um, five years in Dallas um, longtime professional player and, and coach and and um, and then two officials you know we lost Johnny Greer and and um, you know we lost Wayne Mackey here in the last two months so um, it's not to be a downer it's to certainly celebrate life but I always try to talk to our players, and I had a chance we all visited with coaches the other day about, you know, QTL, quality time left in life, and to lose some young people and, and uh, some guys that I've been with personally um, is always tough for everyone. So um, the National Football League is about a lot of things. Um, you know, certainly perspective is one of them. Um, with that, uh, excited to be in Green Bay, and I'll take any questions you may have. Rich, why come here? Why come here to the Green Bay Packers? Yeah, the Green Bay Packers, you know, for me uh, personally, the opportunity to um, be at one of the marquee National Football League teams that sets a standard, has an expectation to play to that standard every day, um, along with uh, my excitement and my um, new energy um, after meeting and visiting with Coach LaFleur, you know, what he's done here in a very short period of time, um, you know, it's unprecedented. Uh, he's all football and, uh, you know, be back with Joe Barry who I've been with um, before. We won a lot of games together at two different places. And, and um, again, just to, to be a part of a, a franchise that expects to win, and the standard is winning it all. And, and um, to be a part of something like that, is, to me, is energizing. Where do you start when you try to fix these special teams? 
Um, you know, in the beginning, it's uh, it's personnel related, it's it's scheme related, it's um, uh, you know, people. People make the difference, right? And if you can get good people at a great place, then magic can happen. So um, we're going to look in every nook and cranny to see what we can do to make ourselves better. Have you looked at the, the film from last year and and what? What needs to be fixed? I mean, how, how do you how do you fix that? Well, we're just going to improve everything every day. You know, there's not one specific thing. I think you can all everyone wants wants to look at one play. You know, or two plays that happen in the playoff game. But you can go back over my career. I mean, we won a Super Bowl in 2002 and got a pump locked in the game for a touchdown. So, um, but still won the game. So I think you can look at every game as a special teams coach. It's rare that you come out of the game and you pat yourself on the back and go, Yeah, we had a hell of a game today. There's just too many plays, you know, things go on. So we're going to look to try to improve at everything we do every day. What, what, makes, good, what makes good special teams? Makes good special yeah, teams? Yeah, what are the elements that you need to, to well, be successful? It's, it's a philosophical start. Of, we're going to try to put a unit together that cares about each other, that knows what to do, competes with relentless effort, and improves every day. And that's going to go along with what Coach LaFour is trying to do with our team, but that's going to go along with the units that we're going to put out they're on the field. They have to have an expectation that we have a one-play mentality. You don't get three downs to get it right. You know, we have one play to make a difference, and they have to understand the significance um, and the criticalness of that particular play. And I think if we can get that across, we'll play better. After getting the Raiders to the playoffs last year, what was your confidence level about maybe getting that job full-time? And I mean, did you think there was a good, strong possibility, or did you kind of know they were going to go outside? You know, I respect the question, and, and uh, you know, last year was it. Um, unique year in my personal career and certainly with the players and coaches that um, went along with it. Uh, a lot of credit to the coaching staff I was involved with and, and the way in which the players approached every day and what they dealt with. But uh, I'm really, you know, I'm here in Green Bay. I'm excited about what's happening here today. Rich, you got three kickers right now. What's the plan there? Yeah, just kind of see who's who and what's what as we get going. You know, I, I haven't really had a chance to um, see the uh, two of them you know I, I know Don pretty well we had him for two years over there um, with the Raiders and um, he's a good player um, I know Crosby for a long time he's had a hell of a career actually had him back in the senior bowl and he was coming out so the one good thing I know about um, Crosby is that he's come back from a down year to play really well so uh, I'm excited about being around him learning from him um, seeing what his strengths are and where we can get forward go forward and Keep improving. Is it, have you ever had three kickers before? And how do you, how yeah, do you run, how do you run all those guys? Well, you know, we're fortunate. We're getting ready to have OTAs and, and some of those, um, you know, practices where we get a chance to evaluate different kickers as we go through. And, and um, I don't think we'll go to training camp with three. I think we'll go to training camp with two uh, after I visit with, obviously, Brian and Coach LaFleur and see how that goes. But I'd like to see all three before we make a decision on one of them. What do you like about uh, what Keyshawn did for you with the Raiders? Yeah, Keyshawn's, um he's just a really good teams player. He's got a great mentality. He's fast. He's physical. He don't take any shit from anybody. He can really run. So uh, I'm excited about Keyshawn being part of the Packers. Can't say that, can I? <laughs> Matt was talking about you at the, at the league meetings a couple weeks ago. He used the words fiery dude to describe you. Has that always been kind of a part of your coaching approach? And how much has it helped? on special teams in this I, you know, I appreciate all the kind words from Coach LaFleur. I'm just kind of short, bald, and Italian, and then maybe that makes me mad at everybody. I don't know. But, um, yeah, I, I, uh, again, I'm, I'm excited to be, you know, with Coach LaFleur. I, I can't wait to get up in the morning and coach football, right? It's just what I've done for so long. Um, it's a way of life for me as well as it is for the, the other coaches here. And, and um, as far as special teams go, again, I, I kind of live in a one-play mentality um, 
world myself, you know. So I'm just really concentrating on the moment and, and being where I am and, and um, seeing what we can do, what I can do, what all our players can do to improve every day. Do you go back and watch special teams take from last year, or do you just want a fresh start with all the guys I did. We watched all the games. So, and, but we also watch all the games from all the teams um, in the league. We kind of go through cutups of, of all the things that happen around the league, and, and uh, certainly we did that uh, with the team that we have here as well to kind of put it some type of an evaluation on um, not so much the scheme, but kind of the effort that guys have played with, and um, you know, kind of the some of the fundamentals and techniques that we all use around the league, how they did with some of those things. But we did. We watched all the tape. Why did you um, become a special teams coach? Oh, that's kind of a deep question. Um, I think in the beginning, uh, when I first started coaching, you know, after you get done playing, I, I played teams. We all, back then, we all we played teams, played both ways. And um, But as you first start coaching, they kind of split it up. So the running back coach would have the kickoff return team, and the linebacker coach would have the kickoff team. And so at some point, I've, I've been a, a part of all of it you know, like most coaches are. And then at South Carolina, I think uh, Sparky Woods had gotten to the point where he felt like he thought one coach uh, being in charge of the special teams as he had an offensive coordinator and a defense coordinator, um, although they had assistance with them, I think he felt like if one coach was dedicated to doing that and coming up with the schemes, um, it would have a better sense of detail, a better sense of, um, I don't know, maybe... Uh, Progression, how you install an offense, how you install a defense. So that's where it first started for me. He, he gave me that job. And it was at the time when, if you remember, Frank Beeman was the coach of Virginia Tech and they were blocking punts and he was the head coach. And, and um, it started to become a big deal in college football. And then all of a sudden it took off in the NFL. There was less position coaches that were coaching special teams. It was more hiring special teams coordinators to just do special teams. And when you do that, now you're just watching all that film all the time. It becomes extremely specialized, it becomes detailed, the schemes can change from week to week. And, and um, so it just happened that the next job I got at, at Clemson from South Carolina, I was a special teams coordinator and coach running backs. And then went to Ole Miss and the same thing, it just kept becoming a part of my, my resume, I guess. And then just one day I got a call about coaching special teams in the NFL. I never thought about getting to the NFL. I never tried to get in the NFL. Um, I'd gotten a call one time from a team in the NFL to interview for the job. and. Um, that's kind of how it happened. I, ended up, I actually got the job, and two days later, I left and went back to Clemson. So, if that tells you anything, but is it a, uh, is it a thankless job? No, I don't. We're, we're just we're just coaching football. You know, we're not curing cancer, or you know, we're all coaching football, and we all have a um, you know certain zeal for uh, players, and we have a certain zeal for competitiveness. Um, we have a certain zeal for detail. And uh, so I, I just feel like I'm a teacher. I just happen to be teaching football. I happen to um, be fortunate enough to, you know, be doing my passion every day. You know, I think it was my dad, along with probably everybody else's dad in the room, that said, you know, if you can go to work and enjoy what you do, you're never going to work a day in your life. So I've been fortunate to do that for the last 39 years. You said you were looking forward to getting together with Crosby and learning from him. Is that a common trait for you or coaches in general? Um, I think from you know for me being in the National Football League um, way back when it start, I'm going to learn from players. You, you, I think um, when I watch tape and we watch, I, I want to ask them, coach me up here. What, what were you thinking here? Whether it was good or bad, you know, I need to know what they see as well. Coaching running backs for a long time, I think the the common mistake is maybe I'm I'm telling them where to run. I'm telling them where the 
hole is and those type of things. I think you have to ask them what they see. And, and um, you know, I'd like to know Mason's routine and what's been working well for him and what does he think he'd like to change. And then I'm going to explain to him again what our routine has been and what's been successful for us. And hopefully we can get a, a mix in there that can not only make him but the other players as well successful at what they're trying to do. You mentioned the uh, block punt in the Super Bowl, but you've had a lot of success as a special teams coordinator overall. Obviously, you've built quite a reputation for yourself. Why do you think you've had the success that you've had? Well, we've, I've been fortunate to be around a lot of good players and a lot of players that have bought into the four things I gave you earlier and um, a lot of players that have uh, been excited about um, playing professional football for a way of way of life. And, and uh, so it's really just... It's it's player driven, you know. It's it's certainly a an opportunity to um to teach football and maybe teach some life lessons and maybe get guys to find a way to be the glue um, to the offense and defense. You know, we we use a phrase around here about we fence. It's not really offense. It's not really defense. It's it's kind of we fence. It's us. You know, there's no other place on the field except the punt team where you could find a a linebacker lined up next to a tight end, lined up next to a safety, and the um, uh, Running back is the person protected making all the calls. You know, that's the only place you find that on the field. There's offensive players, there's defensive players. When you get to the punt team or kickoff or, you know, players from offense and defense line up next to each other. So, um, you know, I think a lot of my success or the success we've had in special teams, places I've been, is, is really player driven. How do, you, how do you feel about having a veteran uh, Hold on. Go ahead. How, how do you feel about having a veteran punter like O'Donnell? Yeah, we're real excited about being able to add Pat. I, I tried to get him four years ago when I first went to Oakland, and, and um, it didn't work out. And, and now that he was available this year, you know, Coach LaFleur and, and uh, Goody were great about our conversations about seeing what we could do to try to get him. He's, he's been a proven player. Um, not only uh, in the league, but in this division. You know, he's played real well in bad weather. He's played outside his entire career. He's a tremendous athlete, wonderful holder. Um, and his job at holder is to make everybody right. He's got to make the snapper right. He's got to make the kicker right. And uh, so he's done that for a long time. He's been with good kickers, and he's been with good snappers. So uh, I'm real excited about having him part of our team. Sorry, Rich. You know, 11 starters off, it's 11 stars on defense. Do you feel you need three, two, three, four guys that – you know, aren't getting a lot of snaps on those sides of the ball to be kind of your starters and, and guys that really just take the bull by the horns? You know, I, I, uh, the, the star syndrome is, is great. I just think we need players. You know, we, we need to get some players in here that we can um, have good competition at all the positions, whether they're playing linebacker or running back or receiver or whatever it is. And we'll find a group of guys that make up, you know, the initial core. For us, it all starts at the punting. You got to find those six guys that can play in the box, you know, from tackle to wing on both sides, and then the person protected that can direct them and all be on the same page. And then from there, those guys can usually fan out to play the other three phases that we need them to play in. But um, we, we got to be able to put a punt team together that can protect the punter and then transition right into becoming a, a team that sets the defense. You know, it's the, my favorite thing about punt team, it's the most transitional play in all of football, right? It covers the most yardage, but you're an offensive player first. You have the ball, so you're protecting the punter behind you, who essentially that's your quarterback. And right away, it transitions into a defensive play. You have to fan the field. We're a, a one-gap team, and, and you have to understand how to leverage the returner, and you got to set your defense now. And that's kind of how we approach um, the whole thing, but it starts with the punt team players. When, when you're inheriting a group that, that had the kind of season that you guys, that they had last year with, with not any success, uh, is there got to be a mentality change or just enough to keep it on the schematics? I mean, do you have to change the, the, the mentality in the room as well? Well, I just think that, you know, 
within the the, con the, the construction of Coach LaFleur's philosophy and then the four things I gave you about what we will expect our unit to look like, that, that's what we're going to try to do. So if you want to call it a, a mentality, it's a, it's a one-play mentality. And if you want to call us a, a unit, we'd like to think of ourselves as a we fence unit. And what makes up the we fence unit, those guys got to learn to care about each other. They got to know what to do and they got to do what they know. They got to compete with relentless effort and they got to find a way to improve every day. And that's just, there's going to be a standard set, just like there is for our offense and our defense. There's going to be an expectation from us that we're going to hold them to the standard. And I'd like to think that they're going to set a standard for us, for our little core of teams coaches, and they're going to expect, I'm going to expect them to hold me and to hold Mike and to hold Byron to that standard as well every day. And we'll, um, we'll see where the chips fall after that. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Okay, there you go. That's the uh, special teams coordinator, Frank Passaccia. And when uh, we come back after the top of the or after the bottom of the hour, we're going to hear with Tom Clements and uh, or I keep calling him Frank. It's Ritz Passaccia. Uh, and we're going to hear from Tom Clements, uh, the, uh, you know, quarterbacks coach, the new old quarterbacks coach for the Green Bay Packers, as he went to the podium a little bit earlier today as well. Stay tuned. More of the Bill Michael show coming up right after this. Covering Wisconsin sports like a blanket, this is The Bill Michael Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. today on a Tuesday, a day in which uh, a lot of news today, a lot of opinion today. Uh, Brewers coming up later on tonight, game two of the series with the Baltimore Orioles. Hopefully the Brewers can get a win, kind of curb a little bit of the uh, the angst that is taking place right now throughout, uh, throughout Brewer Nation. People upset, people nervous, people worried about whether or not the Brewers are going to be able to kind of get off the schneid in this. So uh, hopefully... Brewers get a win tonight and uh, stem the tide when it comes to the uh, the angst right now. Uh, this portion of the program brought to you by our good friends over there at Cunis RV. Go to CunisRV.com for all your RV, camper, camper, travel trailer needs, all that kind of good stuff. Cunis, K-U-N-E-S, CunisRV.com. That is CunisRV.com. And, uh, and take a look. Take a look what they have. They got a lot of good stuff, a lot of good stuff coming up right now. Um, we've got a lot uh, going on in the uh, in our own opinion area here, as a matter of fact. This one is from uh, Roger. Roger says, uh, I think the Brewers are going to be just fine as far as Aaron Rodgers goes. He needs to get into camp and work with some of the young guys once they are drafted to get them on the same page. He does not have time to develop somebody over the next two to three years. He's only got maybe two years at best. Uh, which, Roger, that's kind of my point, was... Look, if he gets on the same page and just trusts a guy and goes out and starts winging it, that's fine. I'm good with that. But you can't turn around and say, ah, you know, as the season goes on, I don't, I, I got to, they got to earn my trust. Well, how can they earn your trust if you're not there? The report was that he was not going to be there for the voluntary workouts and such. When you've got Brady already wanting to get into camp and, um, you know, just uh, just trying to get his guys and going through tape and all that kind of stuff. I guess uh, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers have again asked him to uh, to view some of the possibilities when it comes to um, you know incoming wide receivers or such that can play offense 
just to look at some of the film for the uh, NFL draft. So I'm sure Rodgers, I'm sure, I, I would almost be 100% sure that Rodgers is probably talking to the, uh, the, the Packers. I'm sure they probably gave him some footage or some film and said, hey, take a look at some of these guys. Tell us what you think. Do you like Alave? Is he a guy that you could maybe see yourself throwing the ball to? You know, would that be a guy? Is there is there somebody else? Is Jamison Williams? Uh, you, are you willing to wait for him to get you know that knee better? You know, is he a guy that you could say, okay, you know, maybe we go in that direction? So, do you do you look at these guys? Do you Traylon Burks out of Arkansas? Do you have him look at some of these guys and say, yeah, I like this guy. He runs a good route. He does this. He does that. Do you allow him that that kind of say? That's what he was wanting. Was that kind of say? Do you go in that direction? Eight seven seven eight six seven sixteen seventy. So if indeed they do choose one of the guys that you really think could be beneficial, it probably is. It would behoove you almost to go in and 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 try to get there early to get these guys on the same page, right? You would assume. Eight seven seven eight six seven sixteen seventy. Again, eight seven seven eight six seven. 1670, you want to find, uh, you know, find us, go ahead and uh, if you want to chime in, give us a shout there. 877-867-1670. Um, this one is from Mark who said, after reading through, the, oh, okay, so you read the report on the Washington Commanders. He said, I almost felt sick. I feel bad for any Washington Commanders fan that was sitting out there waiting for tickets as everything that was going on was illegal and we should see Daniel Snyder go to jail. Uh, if Roger Goodell continues... And he's got the NFL in parentheses. If Roger Goodell, the NFL, continues to block the investigation, then Roger Goodell should be held accountable as well. What are your thoughts about the other owners? If you mean what do I think the other owners are thinking, I think two things. One is the other owners are thinking we brought we 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 sanctioned this guy to come in and be one of us, and he screwed us. The other thing I think owners are thinking is probably especially if you're an owner that's got your hand in a cookie jar there, but for the grace of God, we better start cleaning up our own backyard because this, if, if the NFL is called on the carpet by Congress and this oversight committee, and they say, no, 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 we're giving you antitrust exemption. You are going to give us what we want or you're not going to get antitrust anymore. I think the NFL, unless they have seriously something to hide, is probably going to cooperate from this point on. If they don't, then you better believe the NFL has something to hide. And that would make them, as whether it's a large amount or a small amount, as dirty as dirty could be. You know? I just, I, I, I have not absorbed all of this from this report that came out earlier today, but it's just sickening. It really is. Really, truly is. Uh, and then you've got uh, our other topic of the day. Casey says, small team that went to four straight postseasons. Could be worse. Could be the Dodgers. Highest payroll nearly every year since 2010 and as many championships as the national and Ca- Nationals in Kansas City. Redefine what success is. I like to figure out what each team's players uh, pay and per win. Every year, the crew and the Rays are going to be at the top. Uh, they don't have the high payroll, but they have a winning culture. 
give Craig Council a $200 million payroll one season, and it could be legendary. Casey, I kind of like the way you think. I do. 877-867-1670. Hit us up. More of the Bill Michael Show coming up. You're going to hear from Tom Clements, quarterback coach of the Green Bay Packers, coming up next. Covering Wisconsin sports like a blanket, this is the Bill Michael Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Welcome back. Glad you're with us. Bill Michael Show. We continue on. A lot of stuff going on today. We're going to hear from Tom Clements, quarterback's coach for the Green Bay Packers, coming up here momentarily. I don't know about you, but uh, grilling season, tailgate season, uh, almost upon us. What a better way to kick it off than uh, stopping over to Quick Trip and getting some of those bacon-wrapped pork fillets. Uh, they've got them. they got you covered on sale right now. 99 cents, limit five. Uh, they are sure to make you a hit at any grill out. However, let's say you don't want to go with the, the pork fillets. That's fine. Grilling season's upon us. Brats, hot dogs, buns, condiments, beverages. They got it all. They got it all. Stop in a quick trip. You can even get the hot food. You don't even have to cook if you don't want to. That's fine. Fried chicken, fantastic. Burgers, fantastic. Stop in. Quick Trip's got you covered right now. It's grilling season, but the special, the five-ounce bacon-wrapped pork fillets right now. If you're looking for other groceries like white bread or butter, they've got that as well. Good stuff over there from our friends at Quick Trip. Uh, let's do this. Uh, two of the specialty, or uh, the, the coordinators, so to speak, or coaches for the Green Bay Packers, uh, we're at the podium a little bit earlier. We heard uh, from Rich Basaccia just a little while ago. And now Tom Clements, uh, the new, yet old, if you will, uh, quarterbacks coach for the Green Bay Packers. He had just gone to the podium as well. Let's take a listen. Yeah, thanks. So what, what brought you back? Uh, Delta. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right. Beyond that. No, it was just... Uh, after the season, it, uh, Aaron contacted me. He had talked to uh, Matt, wanted to gauge my interest in coming back. I said, yeah, I'd talk about it. And then uh, talked with Matt a couple times. Uh, when he was out uh, for the, I guess, what was it? The, uh, the, uh, the show before the Super Bowl it was in L.A. where I'm staying. We got together, talked. And talked a little bit more with Aaron, and it just worked out. Had you felt the itch at all during your time away, or was it that conversation with Aaron that made you think maybe this is something you want to do? Well, I had been in Arizona two years, and then I, that was the year of COVID, and it was, I didn't want to go through that again, so I basically went back to L.A. I, went, I couldn't see my family. They couldn't travel. Um, you had tested every day, so I didn't want to go through that again, uh, so I retired. And, um, you know, I've, I've always been a fan. I'd watch all the games. So I really didn't have a, an inkling of coming back. And then just the, the situation arose where, um, as I outlined it and uh, considered it and decided to do it. So you felt pretty good about that Aaron was coming back this year? Yeah, my talks with him, I didn't, you know, we didn't talk extensively. We just talked a couple times. Uh, I think he, that was my first question to him. 
you know, what, what, are you, what are you thinking? And, you know, we just talked about it, and um, I felt good, fairly confident that he was coming back. You know, it's a, he's had a, uh, the team and he have had some great years and um, still has a good chance to contend for the Super Bowl. And um, I'm, I'm sure that's, I, I know that's what he wants. He wants another Super Bowl. And that was one of the things that intrigued me also. Um, you looked at, you know, how he's played the last couple of years. I'm sure you've watched a lot of film. What does he look like? In this offense, what does he look like compared to, you know, when you last had him over five years ago? Well, I, I, I know looking at it from afar, um, I thought he was playing a, a style more like when he was younger because uh, playing more under center, play action passes in the later years um, that we were here. It was, it was more of a um, not too much under center, uh, exclusively shotgun more of a spread offense um, and uh, in the early years we relied on the running game and the play action pass and and um, got in the shotgun more on third down situations like that and that's more uh, the style that I saw so um, it's uh, when you can run the ball um, it opens up a lot of things and uh, you know, there have been a lot of explosive passes over the years off the play-action pass game, and hopefully we can continue that. Uh, is it safe to say that you, you wouldn't have come out of retirement if Aaron's answer had been different? If he wasn't back, you, you probably wouldn't be here too? Um, anywhere? Or, I mean, I, I, I... Well, as I said, I didn't, uh, I didn't have the itch to come back. Um, it, it was because of coming back to Green Bay with Aaron, chance to win a Super Bowl. Those were the primary considerations. How, how do you, you talked about the difference in, in how he's played and, and also schematically. How, how do you kind of fit into Matt's offense, especially with as much experience as you have with Aaron in a totally different offense? Well, it's, I mean, there's a lot of things. Uh, it's kind of a hybrid. Uh, a lot of the things that uh, Aaron's done for his entire career uh, that Matt has implemented into the into the scheme, so it's kind of old Green Bay. The things that Aaron's very comfortable with, the things that he has tons of reps in, he knows what to do instantly based on what the defense is doing, and then some uh, new type plays um, and a new uh, approach. But when you look at it, uh, if you look at teams throughout the league, everybody runs kind of the same plays. Um, it's just what you emphasize, and you, you have some tweaks here and there. So it's a lot of old Green Bay that Aaron's comfortable with and a lot of you know, new things that Matt's implemented. What well, about Jordan Rodgers and, and what are the challenges in developing and improving this game? Well, uh, anytime you have a young guy, um, it's unfortunate that the, the uh, system isn't the same as it was when Aaron was young, and I mean the I mean the off-season program, because we used to spend, you know, eight weeks just exclusively with the quarterbacks, um, going over everything, going, uh, doing drill work on the field for two, three times a week, just 45 minutes, quarterbacks alone, so that allowed them to to really learn the offense and to develop uh, the techniques that you need. And 
now that the the, the off season program, it's uh, you, you lose about a month of that. So you have to try to try to work that in as, as best you can. But it's always always fun to work with a younger guy, um, trying to you know impart some knowledge to them and see how they grow. So I'm looking forward to it. How often did you and Aaron talk like last season, last year during your time? What was it? Was it pretty regularly even then? Or? No, I'd, uh, when I was coaching in Arizona, obviously I'd see games uh, throughout the league, and if you know he had a great game, I'd text and say, you know, congratulations. And um, so it was it wasn't um, consistent; it was more sporadic. And uh, so we, we've kept in touch a little bit, but not extensively. What did you do during your year, year away? Well, I drank a lot of Peroni beer. <laughs> And complimented that with some wine, uh, but that was it. Um, before I went back to Arizona, I, I had been working with a friend of mine out there who has a real estate development company, so I did that for two years. But then when I left Arizona, I was uh, just hung around with the dog, drinking beer. You've been around a lot of coaches. How would you describe Matt's style? From the offensive style? How he runs a team. Well, obviously we've only I've only been here with with the coaches so far, but I mean he's obviously uh, done very well. I mean um, to win as many games as he ha- as the team has, you know, in, in the three years, it's uh, pretty impressive. Um, so um, I think he's got got a good bunch of guys on the staff work together. They um, have a lot of fun together and. Uh, you know he's he's directing what he wants, and he does it in a in a in a good way. So I'm looking forward to looking forward to seeing it even more when the players get here. Tell how you reflect on your role in Aaron Rodgers' development in your previous stint here. Well, as I said, we spent. Uh, I came in Aaron's second year, and um, you know Brett was still playing for the for the next two years. And we had that, what I call that off-season program quarterback school, <clears throat> probably for, I mean, we, we had it every year, but in, in those early years, Aaron was there for the for the eight weeks that, that we did it. So for, you know, three or four years, you know, we, we were spending a lot of time together. So I, it was fun to see him develop I you know I remember the first game that he really had some playing time was when we went to Dallas and Brett got hurt early um, and Aaron came in and you know he, he played like he was an old-time vet and uh, we always saw the ability that he had we thought he could be good but then when he went in in, in that game um, that kind of confirmed it and you know, I think it was after I guess it was Brett's second year when we lost in the championship game. We went over to coach in the Pro Bowl. And, uh, you know, I was talking with we were, Joe Philbin and I were talking. You know, we had, I, I can't remember who our quarterbacks were, but I, we said, hey, Aaron's as good as these guys, probably better. And uh, you never know that he's going to go to the point he has, but he certainly had the ability. So it was good to see him progress. Have you had a chance to watch uh, Jordan Love's film yet or happen to have caught some of his previous uh, short stints in preseason or in Kansas City? Well, I've watched some film, and then uh, I, I, I 
watched him when he was coming out. I was in Arizona, so I, I, I uh, have a little bit of familiarity with him. So, um, you know, he's a very good athlete. I didn't. I never had the opportunity to talk to him prior to time. Uh, prior to me coming here, I've talked with him on the phone a couple times. He'll be here in a week, and looking forward to, to getting to know him a little better. But he's, you know, he has a strong arm. He's athletic, and those are good qualities to have. And we'll just try to develop him as best we can. Aaron's brought up to us the last couple of years your your three mortal sins that still stick with him. Are those three rules? Don't throw late down the middle, no blind throws, and no premeditated decisions. Are those still the rules for him? Absolutely. Him and any other QB. It's good that he remembered that. <laughs> there you go. Tom Clements, quarterback's coach for your Green Bay Packers, and talked about coming back, and he, he came back because Aaron Rodgers. We all knew that was happening. No doubt about that. Let's do this. We'll step away. We'll take a quick break. We'll come back, wrap things up on the Tuesday edition of the Bill Michael Show. Coming up next. This is the Bill Michael Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Don't forget, coming up less than 48 hours away, we're going to be doing our opening day broadcast live this coming Thursday. Going to be down in Walker's Point, brought to you by our friends at Bud Light. They are the official beer sponsor of the Bill Michaels Sports Talk Network, and uh, we're going to be down there hanging out at Stenny, second to National Walker's Point. They run shuttles to the game uh, over to American Family Field, so if you want, and it's going to be kind of crappy weather uh, on Thursday. I, I don't think I should say kind of. It's going to be crappy weather. It's going to be cold. It's going to be really windy. I guess they're saying 20 to uh, 45 miles an hour when it comes to the winds, so it's not going to be real conducive to putting a tent up. Uh, maybe not even be conducive to a, a good tailgate when it comes to, uh, you know, fires and such. But uh, we're going to be down at Stenny's starting at 10 a.m., 10 to 2, coming up this Thursday. And hopefully you can come by and say hello and can have some good guests on hand. It's going to be a lot of fun. going to be a lot of fun. So uh, come on by and say hi. Uh, 877-867-1670. Don't forget, to, coming up later on tonight, you've got the Brewers back at it yet again. They're going to be taking on the Orioles later on this evening. 6.05 first pitch. Uh, by the way, the uh, the other games, there are some day games today. You're going to have right now the Tigers and the Red Sox knotted up at three apiece. Top of the sixth right now with Boston batting. That is in Detroit. You've got uh, the Mariners and the White Sox getting underway here shortly. The Cubs and the Pirates as well. And uh, you've got the Reds uh, and taking on the Guardians at home. The Reds with their opening day parade and Finley Market Parade and such. That's getting underway later on today, and then a full slate of games on the docket as well. St. Louis, by the way, tonight hosting Kansas City in a good rivalry game there. 645 Central Time, Cardinals 2-1, and one, Royals 2-2. Two and two. Those two teams uh, get underway later on this evening as well. 877-867-1670, 877-867-1670. Uh, Cavaliers and Nets tonight, that is scheduled for 6 o'clock. And it's funny because uh, I got word that uh, Brian Anderson was in New York and in Brooklyn. And for those that are just tuning us in, there's been a shooting in the subway. They're looking for a a, um, suspect who donned a gas mask just before the shooting through a canister in the subway of green smoke and then just opened fire. And they found other undetonated packages in the area. 
They are still looking for the gunman who injured 10, uh, or uh, I think he ended up shooting 10, uh, injured 16 people total. Not, non, thank God, non-life-threatening. But I ended up hearing that Brian Anderson was on the call tonight in Brooklyn. I texted him, and uh, I, I didn't know if I'd hear back from him or not, but actually I did. Uh, so I just said, it's good, you know, good to hear um, that you're okay. And he said, yeah, scary. Happened near the Nets practice facility. So Brian Anderson on the call tonight in uh, Brooklyn for the Nets and the Cavaliers. The other game of interest tonight, Clippers and Timberwolves, a little bit later on this evening. Uh, that's for the play-in game in the West. Seventh place in the West. Seventh and eighth place in the West. So there you go. But, uh, yeah, it's uh, kind of a scare in Brooklyn. So glad he's doing okay. Glad things are good. Then the big story of the day in the world of sports, and you're probably going to see a lot more of this, Daniel Snyder underreporting ticket revenue per the investigation and all the documents that have been sent to the uh, Committee on Oversight and Reform before the U.S. Congress. It's a 20-page indictment, basically, of the practices of the Washington commanders uh, via many allegations, everything from scamming their fans scamming people who had passed away out of seat licenses, uh, scamming the rest of the owners, hiding money from the rest of the NFL. Uh, all of this d- that came to the surface because of that sexual uh, harassment investigation and the hostile workplace environment investigation that Congress is now conducting into the Washington commanders. It is, uh, I have not seen much, if anything, come across ESPN or across the ticker on TV but uh, it's been everywhere on Twitter, and I would assume you're going to hear a lot more about this in the coming days because this is uh, a very ugly light, not only on the Washington Commanders, on their owner, Daniel Snyder, on others on the inner circle, but also on the uncooperative nature of Roger Goodell and the NFL during this investigation as well. And they specifically state in this 20-page letter that the NFL is not cooperating. Which leads you to believe, okay, what is the NFL hiding in all of this? Or other owners, for that matter. So this is something that maybe we're just now seeing the very tip of the iceberg. And it could get a lot more ugly. A lot more ugly. So wait for additional word on that. But uh, I I retweeted it uh, over on uh, Twitter where you can actually go grab my tweet and then go and and look at uh, Warren Sharp's the the rest of the allegations, read that 20-page letter that was sent to Congress. It is unbelievably indicting, unbelievably indicting. So uh, we'll see We'll see uh, what comes out of that. So that's going to do it for the day. It's uh, It's been a hell of a day. Uh, we didn't really even get too deep into the NFL draft. I wanted to a little bit more uh, with Andy Herman of the Pack-A-Day podcast and talk, to, talk a little bit more about it, but... Uh, obviously, the uh, the re, you know the events of the day dictated the conversation. So, until we talk again tomorrow, hey, continue to make plans coming up Thursday morning, ten to two. We're going to be live at Stenny's. It is going to be the Brewers' home opener, and we're going to be on site down there. There's shuttle buses running running from Stenny's down to American Family Field. If you want to come down, park your car, join us, Bloody Mary beverage or two, head down to the ballpark, come back, and then pick your car back up, and you're good to go. Should be a great day. Until we talk again in 20 hours, time for us to go. Have a good one. The Bill Michaels Show Podcast. Listen, rate, subscribe.